Hello there, this is Wale Olulano, the presiding apostle of Harmony Christian Ministries. I'm happy that you can join us today in our podcast. I pray today's message will encourage, edify, and illuminate your heart, wherever your circumstances may be. Please relax and enjoy. Please turn your Bibles with me to John chapter 6. John 6, we read from verse 4 to 13. The Bible says, Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes. And seeing a great multitude coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him. Sometimes God will say some things. He will demand some things from your hand. And you'll be thinking, but I don't have it. But God is doing that to test you. May you not fail the test. Sometimes an assignment is given to you to test you. Whenever God asks you a question, don't think you're smart. Don't begin to think you're smart. You have to pray for God's wisdom. Amen. But this is said to test him because he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread. It's not sufficient for them. That every one of these people might have even a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Peter's brother, said to him, verse 9, There is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two small fish. But what are these among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now, there was so much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number. There were about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting down, likewise of the fish, as much as they wanted. Please note that in your Bible. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, so that nothing is lost. The last verse. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments of five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Once again, we ask, Father Lord, that you will bless your word. Lord, that you will fill this atmosphere with your presence. Open our hearts to receive your truth. Help me, Lord, to communicate your word with grace and power. Lord, we bind every unbelief in this meeting. We ask as we minister your word, open the eyes and the hearts of men to receive the miraculous. Lord, that we can become the testimony whom you have spoken forth at this time. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The title of my exhortation this morning is, Give thanks for your not enough. Give thanks for your not enough. Our focus in that subject, in that title, will be looking at how can I sustain my thanksgiving? Because it's okay to thank God for a day. It's okay to thank God for two weeks. But how can I live a life of thanksgiving? How do I go through a situation in my life where continually I am thanking God? That might sound difficult for some people, but it's not impossible. As a matter of fact, that's how God wants you to live your life. But how do I do that? The reason why many of us feel it's impossible is we go through times of not enough. Now, how do we cope from that moment when it seems that everything goes down, everything seems to cease? How do we survive that moment? And that's what we want to look at. We want to break that. Now, the simple answer to that is faith. Somebody say faith. Faith, faith is the answer 
to going through moments of downs and down times in business, in your career, in your relationship, in your work in, with God, or in anything God has called you into. How to survive the low moments. How to survive even the peak moments is still faith. God is a faith God. What I mean by that is not that God is a faithful God. Yes, he is. But God is a faith God. Everything about God is faith. Now, you can't do God without faith. You can't do God without faith. So if you are a person who has got um, issue with faith, you better get it out of your system right now. You can't do God without faith. Because the Bible says God is the one who speaks. He calls for things that are not as though they are. He says, let there be rivers. But there was no river before he said it. He speaks into existence what you didn't see before. But he sees it in his own eyes first. He sees peace where there is turbulence. He says to the storm, see, be still. The people don't understand it. All I can see is turbulence all around. But he says, be still. Be healed to the person who is covered with leprosy. So if you're going to do God, if I'm going to do God, we have to be a faith people. We have to understand what that means. It's not a religion. It's a lifestyle that we must embrace, not on Sundays, but on every day. The secret power behind effective praise. If you want to have effective praise in your life is faith. The secret behind effective praise and thanksgiving is faith. No other way. It is not just music you are playing in the background. It's not in many meetings you're going to need to attend. It is about faith. That's a secret weapon, the secret thing behind it. Now, friends, know that faith is the only other thing that has the elements of thanksgiving. Over the past few weeks, we have been talking about thanksgiving. We've been telling ourselves what thanksgiving is all about. One of the things we told ourselves was that thanksgiving is one of those things you can't do silently. You can't say, you should know I thank you. How? When? Mm, I said it yesterday, when? When you, when you gave that thing to me? Really? Who had you? I don't know, but I said it. Now, if only you had your thanksgiving, it means you didn't say it. Because thanksgiving is not something you just imagine. It is something that is expressed. It is something that comes out by opening our mouth. So, Equally, faith is not something you just say, well, I have faith. If you have faith, you will have to show me your works. Faith is not silent. Faith is an active partner in anything that you do. So if you want to understand thanksgiving, you need to understand faith as well. Thanksgiving is engineered by faith. It is engineered. The basis of thanksgiving is faith. Now, for example... If you see somebody who is dancing in church, you see somebody who is dancing at home, somebody who is talking about what God, how good God is to them, and you're wondering, really? But why are you saying all this? It's because the thing that they are rejoicing about is not just what they have seen, they are rejoicing because they have faith because of what God said he will do. So you see that the real key thing, what moves Thanksgiving is faith. The reason why many people's Thanksgiving is not sustained the reason why many people can't even thank God 
And they don't understand. I mean, they're not saying God is bad. But they don't see the move. They don't see the need to express themselves. The reason is their faith is not where it ought to be. If you want your thanksgiving to be where it should be, then you need to work on your faith level. Many people really would love to thank God and they don't understand why they don't feel, you know, I'm not saying God is not good. I know he's good, all that, yeah. I mean, I'm in church, aren't I? I'm still a Christian, yeah. But I don't really feel the need to jump around. I'm not in the mood for it. So you see why we are talking like that? The thing we are not really saying is that we don't, we don't feel God has done what we want him to do. We don't think we are where we should be. But you see, if your faith is higher, you will suddenly see that you're not meant to dance to what you see. You can only push yourself out of where you are by faith because God is a faith God. When your faith grows, your thanksgiving will grow. And your level can never remain the same. That's the interesting thing. When your faith grows, your thanksgiving will grow and your breakthrough grows. That's how it goes. In Hebrews 11 verse 6, the Bible tells us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Without faith. There are not many impossibles in the Bible. But this is one of them. It is said it's impossible to please God. For those who come to God must believe that he is. And I thank God that you have come to God this morning. And because you have come to God, you believe he is. And guess what? The Bible said, he is a rewarder. May the Lord reward you. Amen. May he reward your faith. Amen. Reward your worship. Amen. Reward your thanksgiving. Amen. He said he will come to him. You know something I always say? When you've come to the Lord, then he is worthy of your attention. If you've made effort to leave home, to come to church, don't get distracted. Don't let anybody take your time off because it's not everybody who has come to serve him. Don't let anything distract you. Don't let anybody say something that will now break your focus from serving God. Now many people are in the house of God, but they don't understand why can't I worship? Because their mind is miles away. So you have not come to him. Remember God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him how? In spirit. And in truth, Mark eleven twenty four tells us, Therefore I say to you, whatsoever things you ask, when you pray, he said, believe that you will receive them, and you will have them. Now, that's interesting. Whatsoever thing you ask, when you want whatever you think you desire. What is it that you desire this morning? The Bible says you should believe, you receive them. And you will have them. Now, it didn't say, look at the order of those words. It didn't say that believe that you have them. It said believe you receive them. So you have to receive it before you have it. But you must believe it first. What you believe will affect how you speak. A strengthened faith empowers a strong and sustained thanksgiving. When your faith is strengthened, it will have a way of empowering you because you are not operating like anybody who doesn't have faith. There are many people who can begin to rejoice because their friend on the right, their friend on the left is rejoicing. So they don't want to feel left out. So they too dance. They too rejoice. But without knowing God, you cannot sustain that joy. 
without having faith in God, you can sustain the basis of your rejoicing. Faith is the key to pleasing God. Faith is the key to pleasing God. And thanksgiving is the key to enthroning God. If you please God, that's great. But when you are a person filled with thanksgiving, you enthrone him. He comes and sits on the throne of your heart. While you please God with your faith, you enthrone him with your thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is the ingredient of unusual operation of God. If you actually want unusual things, be a person that understands the power of thanksgiving. I have said this thing many times, many times in the course of this month. But why am I saying so? It's because if you truly want the power of God at work in your life. Many people think it's just about prayer and fasting. That's important. But many times, many people's prayer and fasting is full of complaints. But you must understand, it should be all about asking him and finding him. You can change anything, friends, by faith. And equally, we can change anything by thanksgiving. Let me repeat that. You can change anything by thanksgiving. And I mean anything. When you're a person that is full of praises, breakthroughs are common to you that the person who is full of complaints. Why? Because thanksgiving is the attitude of the kingdom. Every kingdom has its culture, has its attitude. Thanksgiving is the attitude of the kingdom. And if you operate this in any area, whether at work, whether amongst your friends, whether in a community meeting, wherever you are, you're a person who learns, so first of all, praise, than just criticizing things. Even when you want to bring up criticism, look for all the good things about what you're about to criticize. You will get your point across better. Do you understand this now? You have to understand that the key to breaking through is having attitude of praise and thanksgiving. Doors will be opened better for you. Faith has levels. The Bible tells us that there is strong faith. There is great faith. And there is weak faith. A small faith level like a mustard seed. So faith has levels. Equally, thanksgiving has levels. So as you sow the seed of faith, faith grows. Equally, when you sow the seed of thanksgiving, the person who thank you for small, you will remember them for bigger ones. So what is important is God has given everybody something to thank God for. Equally, God has dealt with everybody a measure of faith. So you have faith to work with. Just like you have thanksgiving to start with. You therefore have no reason in this season, or in any season for that matter, not to thank God. May your thanksgiving be heard. Amen. Amen. There is a difference in having faith and believing. Now this is important. Just laying the foundation of this and I'll ping into this story. There is a difference in having faith and believing. Somebody can say, I believe in Jesus. I believe. I believe God can heal me. You can believe it, but you can actually act the faith of belief. Many people believe, but they don't see the outcome of their belief. Because they did not mix action with their belief. It's the same thing to actually think, well, I know God is good, but I don't need to express it. I don't, do I have to dance? Do I have to wave my hands? Do I really need to express it? I'm not saying God is not good. God is good. So it's like a person who believes but has no faith. If you believe, 
your belief must be mixed with action. Equally, if you're actually a person who knows God is good, who believes God is good, then what happens after that is you mix action with it. Why? Because Romans 10, 9 tells us, faith comes with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. When you believe, you confess. Equally, when you believe that God is good and is worthy of your praises, you will praise, you will thank him. You will dance before the Lord. And that is the pattern of those who express praises unto God. There's a difference in knowing that God is good and expressing it. Many people know he's good, but they don't express it. They just say, well, you should know. You should know I know. It's like say, you know I love you, but I don't need to tell you. It doesn't work. Amen. Your faith is based on your belief in the integrity of the person who spoke your word. If you have faith, it's because you believe in the integrity of the person who spoke it. The basis of your faith is because you believe in the integrity of God. Do you understand that? Equally, the reason why you are rejoicing is because you believe in he who spoke the word. My dear friends, this is the interface of faith and thanksgiving. Faith and thanksgiving are the opposite sides of the same coin. They do the same thing, perform the same thing, and that's why you can't have one without the other. If you want to sustain your thanksgiving, many times there are many people's faith deep or praises deep. Because they have lost the faith that they had at the beginning of that thing. Oh, I can't worship. I can't, I can't lead. I can't preach. Or I can't go to church. Why? I, I'm not feeling like it. Not because you're sick. If you're sick, it's a different thing. Or you're under the weather. It's a different thing. But it's because of how you're feeling. Now, your life is not supposed to be lived by your feeling. Because God doesn't go by feeling. He's a faith God. Amen. And his word is sustaining. He's a champion. His word does not fail any time. Amen. Thanksgiving is a proof. Though I have not got it in my hand physically, but I believe what he said and he who said it. Amen. Amen. That's exactly what happened in this passage. John chapter 6. John chapter 6 is the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's one of those unique stories in the Bible that actually is recorded in all the synoptic gospels. Sometimes you see some were recorded in one and not in the other one. Or the settings will be different. For you to understand the full picture of the feeding of the 5,000, if you read the whole four, you will see in more detail what really happened. Now, this story occurred at a time that you could imagine Jesus Christ was going through a bad time. And that, that might surprise some of you. That Jesus Christ went through a bad patch in his work. It was almost a cocktail of disaster. What do you mean, pastor? Okay. The first way we enter this story, when we begin the story, is Christ entered into Nazareth. He went home. He brought the great news. They have been hearing of great crusade that this man's been doing, and many people came there to meet the man. And when they got there, this is uh, the son of Mary. They all gathered, and they were... Pointing to, we know him, his father's house, his mother's house. So the Bible said, in that meeting, Jesus could do no mighty works. How sad is it for a man to come home among his own people? This is the Savior himself. He couldn't do nothing. And he left the meeting. What a minister we call a failure. 
is not the success story that he's used to. The same Jesus who turned water into wine. The same Jesus that led us troop to. In his own village, nothing happened. Not because he didn't want to. Nothing could happen. Because the people disbelieved. So he left the place, sent out his disciples, and then they went out, and they came back with good news. Ah, thank God, the time of good news. As they were telling him the good news, another bad news came. They said, do you remember your cousin, John the Baptist? They just cut off his head. Bad news. This was the same John the Baptist that was his forerunner. The one who revealed him to the world. The one who didn't come ordinarily. The one whose seed invaded an old and aging womb that had been shut down for years. Listen to me. You must understand that Jesus Christ was 100% man, 100% God. Are you with me so far? The Bible said with this sad news, he withdrew to a solitary place. He wasn't going there for crusade. He was going there to just, I just want to be by myself. So his disciples went with him. Then when you read this passage, the Bible said, then the people saw him going. They pursued him. Many of them ran through. They took, you know, they took whatever. They got there. Into a solitary place. They were in a desert. Now what happened in that story? The same man who was seen as not being able to achieve much on this side, now the crowd trooped to a desert to meet him. Listen to me, my friends. Sometimes in your life, it seems like something is not working out and people are not accepting you. People are not giving you the honor that is due to you and you now go into a shell. You withdraw into a shell. You think, well, I'm finished. Nobody likes me. It's all finished for me. But I said to the devil, he's a liar. Because why you think you've lost it on this side? God is waiting for you. It's a big celebration on your left side. I said, glory is awaiting you on the left side. Bible says that the people thronged to him. Men may not count you in there, but there's something counting for you. And then they stayed with him day and night. In the desert. In the desert. And then they counted the people who were there. So they counted the men. One, two, three, four, five. They counted men only. Not counting the women. Not counting the children. Now, everybody knows if you count men in this meeting right now, men will be perhaps about a quarter of the number of women and children. That's what it's been from the beginning of the life. That's how it will be forever. You can never have a reversal in that order. You can't have men be more than women and children. Do you understand that? So they didn't count children, they didn't count women. And I keep on saying, I don't know why, but that's how they did it in their culture. Now, they didn't count them and they counted the men to be 5,000. So here's the deal. If they had counted the women, let's even give them the women one, one, one. Don't let's assume that they are more than the men. So it means the women too will be at least 5,000. Right? Now let's assume we just had two children. So give each family Let's have the number of 50, the men to married people. Let's cut it to a third. Not all of them are married. You know it's not possible, but let's cut them to a third. So give that third two children each. I'm already hitting about 15,000. Am I making sense to you now? The number of people in that meeting were nothing less than 15,000 people. The same Jesus who could not record breakthrough on this side. 
Now 15,000 people came to him in the wilderness. I came to tell somebody, I don't know what struggles you're having in your business, but if you thought it was over, God said it's not over. I said there's victory waiting for you. Men may not have celebrated you on this side, but there's a God who called you out. He's still with you. He's still with you. I said your year will not finish without a success story. Your life will not end without a success story. In the name of Jesus. There is a reason why the Bible said it throughout. He said, not counting the women. Be seated one second. I want to show you something interesting here. When you count people, you are saying, those are the people you are counting on. If you count and say, okay, we need some men to help us do something. And then you say, okay, we have about 10 men here. What we are saying is, these 10 men are enough to do the job. But you see, when the time came, to feed the people. They said, we have looked among the camp. There was no food. There's nothing here to give anybody. But there is a little lad. A little lad is here. Has only five loaves and two fishes. Now, the interesting is the lad was not counted. He was not among the people that was expected to be human being. There are times that people don't count you, but you are the one God has counted on. Oh my God, Baba. They don't count you. There are members of a family. Listen, there are some of you. You came from a home. You came from some families. You are number five, number four, number whatever. And people thought, this one is nobody. This one is not going to get so far. You are nobody. But you are the one God is saying, I said my hand is upon you. I said my hand is upon you. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I have a preach to myself this morning. I say you are the one the hand of God is upon. Men, they count on you, but you are the one counted. How does God do it? That what men naturally throw away is what God specializes in using. He used the boy and his five loaves and two fishes. Even the man who counted, who saw him, didn't think anything out of it. How can God use a root? A Moabites. It's just, he's nobody. He's, how can God use a Rahab, a prostitute, to save a city? How can God use a Hannah that, listen, you, you know, you're, you're barren. Everybody's laughing at her, but she's going to bring forth the prophets. <laughs> she's going to bring forth the prophets. Nobody counted on her, but she's bringing forth. I said, you are bringing forth? The hand of God is upon your life. Men don't think much of you. But you are the one. Say I'm the one. Because God said so. <laughs> so the Bible says. This man has five fishes. And two loaves. But what is that? The interesting thing is the comment the guy made. What is that among these many people? There are many times the people will say things. Which is the aim of it is to derail you. To debunk your faith level. You know, you are about to start this business. <laughs> but what chance have you got amongst all these big these sharks? You two say, hey, that's true. There are sharks here. There are sharks here. You are about to do this operation. They said to you that there's only 20% chance. Well, what's 20% chance? When you don't have 80%. So 
You two say, oh God, why is it only 25 centials? Every time that God wants to walk in your life, he will know what he wants to do. The Bible said, saying this, he himself knew what he will do. But it will make you think you are the one about to decide. And I'm talking to someone in this place who must understand that God will put you in that kind of circumstance. And time has come for you to know that what men say should not decide your faith level. He should not decide your praises. He shouldn't decide your thanksgiving. You must be able to say that I don't care what men are saying. My mind is made up. I made up my mind. Goodbye world. I am not following you anymore. I'm going the Lord's way. Jesus Christ did not answer that statement. You don't actually always have to think you should justify the basis of your faith to everybody. Especially to people who don't believe in what you believe in. He could have answered the question, hey, you are saying something. What is that among many people? You are saying something. He didn't answer him. Sometimes the best way to act in your faith is not to try to justify that kind of question or what the Lord is doing. What is what? It's very, very important. It was God who made the boy to have, because by this point, the boy could have walked away. They didn't count me in this number. I saw the man, when he came around, he was counting. He gave number to everybody. He didn't give it to me. He means I'm nobody. Sometimes you think you are nobody. People have said to you, you are nobody. They didn't even look your way. They didn't look at your area. And you felt, well, I'm nobody, really. But listen to me. If the boy had not stayed in the camp, when God wanted to use him as a miracle, where would he have been found? He stayed on. And he was gracious enough to release what was in his hand. That's the message for another day. <laughs> How a little boy will release what he had is a miracle. But what happened at this point is what is interesting. So they brought these loaves and this fish to Jesus Christ. And when you look at it, in his hand, and looking at the crowd, over 15,000 people, this looks like nothing. What you have in your hand might look like nothing to what you really need to do. The money to start the business might seem like nothing. Your qualification might seem like nothing. Your ability to begin might seem like nothing. But if God has brought you this far, God will surely carry you through. He will carry you through. The Bible said Jesus Christ took the bread that was nothing. He brought the little. He brought the not enough. He brought the not worth counting. He brought it to God. Bring it to God. Say, God, I bring the not enough opportunity. I bring the not enough health condition. I bring the not enough situation. I know I am struggling in this area. I know I don't have enough in that area. But I thank you that I see have this little. I have this little. I don't have the two eyes, but I have the one eye. I don't have the two legs, but I have the one. Listen to me. Sometimes you are worried about what you don't have. But God wants you to count what you have. Because it's what you have that he needs. He will not use what you don't have. Who has left you is not the one God will count on. It is who is with you. The Bible said Jesus Christ lifted it to heaven. You must learn to lift up your not enough. Because when you wrap your not enough with praises, 
the presence of the Holy Ghost will fill it up. This morning I prophesy over your nothing off. I prophesy over everything in your hand. I prophesy over every opportunity you have. It doesn't seem a lot. It doesn't seem much. I prophesy over that your finance. I prophesy over that your job opportunity. I prophesy over that situation in your life. Receive the hand of God. I decree the feeling of God. The Bible said... Abraham, he had a not enough situation. The deadness of Sarah's womb, it was clear. There was a fact and there is a praise. There is a fact and there is a faith. You must mix your praise with your faith. The Bible said it did not stagger. It did not stagger after the promise. You must begin to say, Lord, I thank you for my body. I thank you for your word. Lord, I bring my not enough unto you right now. The Bible said Abraham was strengthened. You will be strengthened today. Be strengthened today. Be strengthened today. In the name of Jesus, I speak unto your eyes, receive grace. I speak unto your opportunities, receive life. Everything in your life, receive hope. In the name of Jesus, you will no longer struggle. You will no longer struggle. In the name of Jesus, I give you praise. I give you thanks. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. We do hope you have been blessed. Our special thanks go to all our partners who give generously to support our ministry. You are welcome to be one of us. If you'd like someone to talk to you on any of the issues raised in today's message, please do call us on plus 44 208-597-3110 or you visit our website on www.hccenter.org.uk May the peace of the Lord guard you and keep you till we meet again. God